Tonight on Two Blokes No Clue, yes, Philip, Two Blokes No Clue, uh, the exclusion will let you lovely listeners know as to why we're going two up only. We will review the round that was run through our boys like normal. Credit where credit is due. A few listener questions, our round four previews and tips, and we'll recap the Three Blokes No Clue footy tipping, uh, and we'll see if Philip's got anything for us on Tin Delicious. What a time to be alive. It's a, it's a beautiful Monday night here, mate. Uh, thank you to all our listeners for listening to us. It is two blokes no clue because our, our boy Jez, as much as we'd like to say, he sucked it up because his cats capitulated yesterday. Uh, he's with his uh, lovely wife and family in an uh, in uh, undisclosed location. They're having a well-deserved break. So it's just you and I today, mate. Just us. Just us. I don't know if uh, we're going to be able to keep the show rolling, but we'll try our best. And this is a little bit strange for me. Yeah. It's normally two blokes, no clue is when I'm the one away. Correct. But, yeah, um, last year. We, oh, no, the year before last year. Yeah, last year. We've actually been doing this a couple of years now. Yeah. It's quite, quite I was sad, actually saying to uh, my nephew, William, who's yeah. probably going to listen, uh, that we've been doing this for three years. We're in our third year now. Hey, look at that. Yeah. People still listen to our trip. Well, all six of them. All six, yeah. Um, well, yeah, Jess is away, so yeah. uh, it's just you and I running the ship here. We've got a few questions, yeah. as I alluded to, mm-hmm. but anything interesting on the Philip front outside of Tim Delicious? Uh, not much, mate. Just uh, time with the young fella. Um, it's great to be back at footy. Like, obviously, I went down to the Etihad uh, game a couple of weeks ago against St Kilda, but to be back at the MCG and actually see, like, a really big crowd there. It was only about 35,000 at the game, but it felt like 70,000 when the Melbourne fans were getting up and about. It's just... It's great to actually be able to go down the footy and watch it live because it's a whole different experience. Yeah, so, no. totally different. Having said that, I think I'm pretty sure the game against your boys this week with mine is a Hawks home game, so I might even get down for that one. I, well, I could actually, if I didn't have the young fella, that's a replacement game on my membership, so I could go down there too. So it's a shame that I've got the young fella out, so we could have trekked down together and had a... Hey, look, you'll Come probably. Down. I'll give you a tip. It's against. It's seventeenth versus second. You're going to probably have more fun with the boy than <laughs> I'm going to have at the forty. But anyway, we'll see how we go. Mm. Um, on that point, I've done really nothing since last week. Um, we only podcasted last Thursday. So yeah, it's so it's only four been days. four days. Yeah. Um, nice and early this week. Very late last week. So we'll just we do what we can. Um, round review now. Our man Jez isn't here tonight, but he gave us a few. Uh, a few things that he wanted to talk about and yeah. the round review. All he wanted to talk about was the Melbourne-Geelong game because yeah. obviously you and he are pretty invested in it. Um, you know, Melbourne ended up uh, getting the chocolates over Geelong with a big Steve May injury and um, mm-hmm. pretty sure Sean Higgins did a hamstring. Yeah, he say? did a hamstring the week before. That's right. So, so, he was so he was unavailable. Out. And I'll tell you what, Brennan, uh, Brennan Parfitt was a big out for them to be they replaced by Quinton Narkle. Sparkle Narkle, who... I don't think he really did anything, did he? This no, he was in and out of the game, but he didn't really do a great deal. Uh, to when the you wear boots like him and you got hair like his, you're probably you're gonna have eyes on you. You should probably do something, I'd say. Hundred percent, my man. Um, Jez's thoughts were: Melbourne look like they're getting it. They're unselfish and playing for each other now. That stood out as much as anything. Sides who do that win finals. Now, 
far be it from us to go to the early grow in Melbourne because yeah. you've done more times way, way too many imagine. times I have mate yeah I'm guilty as charged but I have to say they're looking pretty good they are mate good. and to, to to a point that I wanted to make Melbourne kicked 12 goals 13 to Geelong's 9 goals 6 mm-hmm. that could have been much more dangerous it could have been and Melbourne had the yips early with their goal kicking as well they just didn't seem to steady um and I honestly did think when Stephen May went down, was it the start of the third quarter or end of the second? Uh, uh, yeah, midway through the second, I think it right. was. Yeah. I thought when he went down, Geelong were going to have a field day because, yeah. let's look at it, Jake Lever's a good player, but he's not a Stephen May size. And no. Tom Hawk, if he had captured some of his form from last year, I thought he would have kicked four and a half. Yeah, didn't I was getting very nervous when May went down. Um, and from where I was sitting, I, I thought he might have been concussed. And I was like, no, it's moving around a bit, so maybe it's not concussed. And then you boys alluded to me that he had half his face split open, um, which has now ended up being a, a fractured eye socket. So, mm. yeah, we were um, – yeah, we, we did pretty well with uh, him going down early, which was pleasing. Yes. Um, we'll get into that when we do the game review. We do. We a few more thoughts around a couple of Melbourne players, but uh, – so the Swans won by three in the thriller over the Bombers. Port Power got up by Richmond at home by two points. Dogs put the Lions away. The Saints were a bit of an upset with the Eagles, and we've got a topic. Wow. Uh, we've got a bit of a conversation piece for the Saints later on. Mm-hmm. Um, Blues got the job done over Gold Coast. Giants beat the Pies by five goals. The Crows really turned on in the last quarter to blow North Melbourne away. It was actually a fairly close game. It was, yeah. Uh, the D's were the better side against Geelong, and I gotta say this: my boys didn't start very well against Fremantle. Kicked zero uh, two to five four mm-hmm. in the first quarter. Uh, finally switched on after quarter time, but I'll give you a tip: could have been a lot worse than what it was. Fremantle kicked thirteen goals at eighteen. Yeah, that could have quite easily been twenty goals eleven. 100%. And that would have been a disgusting result for the Hawks. So I think they should count themselves very lucky that they got away with that one. Um, and Nat Five kicked 0 and 6. 0 and 6. Which is a story. Mm. 1 3 0 6 triple 5 0 6. Very good. Mm. Very good. Creating writing helpline. Maybe he needs the goal kicking helpline. Maybe he helpline. does. Yeah. He needs the FARC. Yeah, FARC Academy. Far. Yes. Um, any particular games in that round you want to have a discussion about, mate? Um, we'll leave that the, the, uh, the Saints and the Eagles to later because we are going to give the Eagles, uh, sorry, the Saints a bit of a pump up after their pasting last week. Uh, the game I found quite interesting was. Uh, Richmond and Port Adelaide because there was, and again, it didn't cost Richmond the game. Uh, Robbie Williams, uh, Robbie, <laughs> Robbie Williams, Robbie Gray was basically in row. Now, I'm sorry, but I've had a chat to one D Fish. And yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen his profile picture lately. No. He's got a picture of that umpire that uh, made the adjudicator. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually reached out, and just while we're on this, I actually yes. reached out to uh, D Fish. And I said, uh, a couple of listener questions for the podcast, mate, please, if you would. He goes, three three lines. Yep. Competition is ruined. I have no questions. Only statements. Only statements. <laughs> they were, um, it didn't cost them the game, but that was a clear out of bounds, that Robbie Gray goal where he centred it. And I can't remember the player who ended up kicking the goal, but that was definitely out of bounds. But that was a really good game. Sydney and Essendon was a really good game too, I thought, because they, at the start you thought the Bombers would maybe cause a bit of an upset, especially up at the SCG. Um, but Sydney just got over the line with the help of one Lance Franklin. He just goes to show that he might be about 50 years old now, but when he's on, he's still one of the most damaging players in the competition. 
Um, but three, three goals, one and four tackles. Not bad for the big fella. Not too bad for the big fella. Um, what, probably almost as good as a Demons win was seeing Collingwood capitulate at the MCG and Uncle Toby Green kicking 5-1. Uh, Nathan Buckley keeping Isaac Quainor, uh, your boy, Isaac Quainor, on um, Toby Green was a bit of a mistake, I think, because you just towed him up. But the, the, the game that, and, you know, it's probably a bit of bias here, the game I do want to talk about is the Melbourne Cats game, mate, because... Um, Please do. I've always said, and everyone knows I love to give Geelong shit, just because yeah. it's fun. I, yes. don't, I don't actually hate them. I quite respect them. We respect them, yeah. That's quite it. a lot. No, if, if you sit there and listen to my Geelong tribe and think that I'm actually hating on the club... No. I don't think you really know me very well, but no. um, any time I was, I was waiting for the Hawks to find them out their comeback because it would have yeah. been another eight-point weekend. Yeah, yes. you understand what the eight-point weekend yes. is? Yes, yes. So listeners out there, an eight-point weekend for yours truly is when Hawthorne get four points and Geelong don't get four <laughs> points. <laughs> so I was hoping, but please, Melbourne versus Geelong. What? Um, I'm, the, the lid's not off for for Phil Kimby yet, but. And you can say that uh, Geelong had their, their outs yesterday, which they did, but Melbourne have had some outs too. But what really pleased me yesterday was, and, and what's pleased me all season thus far, is when the wheels seem to start to fall off a little bit for Melbourne and a team gets a bit of run on us, St Kilda did it, GWS did it early in the mm. fourth. We've now got that maturity not to just completely throw the toys out the cot. We just seem to be able to regain momentum pretty quick, and we're able to do that against uh, Geelong Lock, particularly in the third quarter. When they kick five straight, we kick 3-1. Uh, I'll tell you what, three-quarter time, I was getting a bit nervous because uh, Geelong have won some really tight games this year, um, and I thought in the fourth quarter Tom Hawkins was going to get let no, loose. No Stephen May. No Stephen May. Adam Tomlinson. You know, Adam Tomlinson is a... In my opinion, a average footballer, not a great footballer, but um, just the leadership from Lever. Oh. You know, Petrarca, thirty-six touches, nine clearances, two goals. Oliver um, broke the tag of Mark O'Connor. I thought really well. He finished mm. with thirty-four. Maxi Gorn, I'd say that's probably the best. But Mark O'Connor's a fantastic tagger. Remember, he well apparently he is a fantastic tagger. So it just goes to show the quality that Clayton Oliver is, mate. But um, the thing that pleased me the most... He's going for him because he looks like a fucking train. <laughs> Gorney has been a very good player for a very long time now, but I've always questioned... He's never said he's a captain. Now, he... You said he's a leader. He's, a leader. he's a leader. Yeah, but he played a really good captain's game, I felt, yesterday. Um, it, was just, it was just pleasing to see. Melbourne fans have got a lot to celebrate about at the moment because this is the first time since 1994 we've been 4-0. Yeah. Um, and then if we roll Hawthorne next week, and that's if, um, oh, that's we'll, a significantly we'll be... good chance. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. Melbourne have beaten Hawthorne in three of their last four games. They have, but I'm still, I'm still got that Melbourne fan where you don't want to get your hopes up too yeah. much because they'll just bring you down. Um, it'll be the first time since 94 as well. So 94 is the last time we've gone five and zip. So it was really pleasing just to see, even like the lesser likes like Hunt and Spargo step up and do things. Spargo played a good game, actually. I <sighs> he did, and oh, mate. Oh, oh Cozzy. Do oh, I need to oh, sit back? Oh. Can you ask me if that one, one goal, two was three goals straight? Oh, mate. Cozzy Pickett, seven minutes, 34 to go, and he just runs down Joel Salwood and then just gives him a little bit on the way out as well. Mate, 
I almost uh, I almost felt sorry for the poor child in front of me because he just almost got a raging clue <laughs> poked into the back of his head. Yeah, you make a point, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a talk about Geelong if they don't pot him. No. The f- most fantastic thing I saw on the weekend was when Joel Selwood <laughs> got Joel Selwooded <laughs> and yes. looked at the umpire as he took the bloke's <laughs> as he took his arm off the bloke's neck that he just tackled. Yeah. When, after he shrugged it and went low. For the listeners out there, I'll say to you boys in the group chat, I had two very lippy Geelong fans in front of me. And when Sparko dropped the knees and threw the head back, Pete Joel Selwood and Selwood got pinged for it. I was like, he just did a Selwood. Selwood got Selwooded. And um, they weren't too happy with that and may have told me to go back to the effing slopes. Yeah, well. But um, that, that, that's okay. But the, uh, the funniest part about it for me was when he looked over at the umpire and went, what? <laughs> what? You've been doing it for 15 years, mate. Um, but, uh, but that's enough about uh, Melbourne Geelong. What are your thoughts, mate? Well, all I was going to say, outside of what you, you've articulated there, I mean, obviously we know that Geelong have been without, and let's, let's be realistic, they've been without some quality players. 100%. Uh, without uh, Dangerfield and uh, Jeremy Cameron to start mm-hmm. with. Obviously, Gary Rowan's been out for a few weeks. Yeah, Parfit was a lot laid Parfitt out for was him, a yeah. laid out. They've got a few... A few players that would probably slow into other clubs that have mm-hmm. been out for a while. And look, look, make no mistake, Geelong have still got some depth. They do. They do still have some depth. But one of the things out of that game, and that leads me to a listener question that we yeah. got through earlier as well, but that the, the main thing out of that game that I really liked, and I said it to you just before we started recording yeah. here, was when Steve May went down and Jake Lever marshaled the troops at half-back, at, yeah. I think it was at half-time, I'm pretty yeah. sure, I saw him grab the guys, bring him into a, a bit of a huddle, and you don't know what he said, but you just have a look. And there were shades of, and he's my fan. He's my boy crush, of course. Yeah. There were shades of Luke Hodge, a la shirt fronting Campbell Brown in the 2013 Grand Final. I think it was 2013. Don't get me wrong. Might have been two. Oh, fuck, I don't know. What, One of the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've won that many. You can't remember <laughs> right, time. But yeah, right. continue. It was, yeah, yeah it, it, probably two of them, actually. Yeah. It reminds me of of shades of Luke Hodge, where you know a bloke would just go right over. We need to settle down here. We need to do something. We need to you know marshal the troops and you know the big fella's gone down. We need to step up yep. because you've got Tommy Hawkins, you've got Brian Myers, you've got you know the Duncans, those sorts of guys that can just yep. tear you apart. Let's make a concerted team effort. And from what I saw in the second half. Everyone was accounting for their man, but also looking to see where they could slip away and help 100%, out. Mate. And who was the one bloke marshalling the troops, pointing and putting his body on the line? Rick Lever. <sighs> Rick Lever. Dave Rick Lever. From oh, mate. Where, I, where's the nickname Rick come from? Uh, I think because he's like from Romsey. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like Rick from Romsey or something. I, I think right. it's just like a like a inter- interclub. Now he was much maligned when he came over to you, blokes. He you was. Weren't, you weren't really buying what he was selling at. At the very start. I saw, I saw Melvin gave up a lot for him. And then, you know, when he went down with the knee, it looked like it might have been a very bad deal. Um, I think he's this year and towards the back end of last year, I really think he's starting to sort of pay the club back for what they gave up for him and the salary that he's on and things like that. He's mm-hmm. starting to really earn that now. So that's super pleasing to see uh, for these fans out there. But, yeah, it was actually a pretty good round of footy. There was mm-hmm. some really good games, some close games. Um, really the only blowout per se, you'd say, would be the um, after halftime in the Saints-Eagles game in the last quarter of the Adelaide. Yeah. Um, Adelaide, uh, 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 not uh, North game, yeah. North, yeah, yeah. So this is the thing too. I was actually saying in another group chat, I mean, I can't remember a more even season where we haven't had oh, – yeah, don't get me wrong, we've had 10 and 20-goal losses to certain uh-huh. teams, Bulldogs versus North Melbourne, for example. But I can't remember the start of a season where it's been so <coughs> close – 
Correct. And look, you can sit there and talk about umpire's decisions and all that sort of stuff till the cows come home. Mm-hmm. The fact that someone's going to go, oh, well, if the umpire had to pay this, that team would have won, is indicative of how close the games are. Correct. And I think it's fantastic. I couldn't agree with you more, mate. And it's super, I think it's super exciting for the competition as a whole when you've got, you know, 18 teams that are competitive. Now, when I say 18, with the exception of North Melbourne, 17 other clubs this season have been thus far in the game for the majority of the of the game. So that's really pleasing to see. And um, well, you can t- you can tell. Let's hope it keeps that way. Yeah, I hope so too. You can tell just how hard it is to predict this season by looking sure. at the footy tipping ladders around yeah. the, around the country. Yeah. You look at the footy tipping ladders, and most people after round four are on are about twenty four. That's it. Normally yeah. you'd have someone blasting out to like thirty points or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm fucking shit hot. But most people are you know mid twenties to low twenties. Yeah. I got four this week. Yeah, I got six the week before. Now that's a controversy. Yeah, that we, we yeah we were, yeah, yeah that was a bit interesting. I reckon Jez, as a league administrator, might have done something. You reckon? I don't know. I don't know if you can do that, but anyway. We'll... I don't think you can do it, but anyway, that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. Um, our boys. Our boys. Oh, our boys. Would you like to go first? I don't think I'm going to steal one of yours. So if you if you'd like to go, uh, actually, you know, why don't we read out Jezzers? We'll, we'll, we'll go Jezzers. You, you can read out Jezzers. So he's got uh, Timmy English, uh, Nick Blakey, Darcy Boone Jones, uh, Tom Stewart, uh, Mark O'Connor, Jordan Ridley, Bailey Smith, Zach Bailey, uh, Josh Dacos. And he's got an out and a uh, an out and uh, in this week. Uh, his out is Nakia Cockatoo, uh, who was a former uh, Geelong, Ge- Geelong cat, and he is now at the Brisbane Lions, but hasn't, hasn't been able to um, hasn't been able to um, get out onto the uh, onto the park, but he has now got. Uh, he's oh sorry, that was my phone. I do apologise. He's now got a a new fella in b- 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 Butters, but Zach Butters. That is a bloody good selection from Jez. So Zach Butters uh, is in uh, for Nakai Cockatoo for Jez, and most of his boys, I would say, on the weekend outside of because I still reckon Tom Stewart played a good game for um, Geelong. Outside of Mark O'Connor, because Clayton Oliver got the chockies there, I'd say. Most blokes in his stable did all right on the weekend, so he'd be uh, pretty happy with that. But that's a very good in- inclusion with Zach Butters. How I'm going to say, mate? and we should have done this earlier, but I'm going to say that best on ground for Jez's team, oh, Jordan, Jordan Ridley. Ridley. Jordan Oof. Ridley. 28 disposals, 22 kicks, 6 handballs, going at 79%, running off half-back, 656 metres gained. If Jez has already got one point, you know why? Because that bloke's already, he's already stitched up the Christian medal. If he doesn't get the Essendon best and fairest, I will let... You'll do something. I'll, I'll do something that is outside the ordinary because <laughs> he's been immense for Essendon. He's by far their best player. And I'd go as far as saying he's probably the most important player at the moment. Yep, that's fair Superstar, enough. superstar. Do you like to let us know what your stable looks like these days? Uh, my stable is uh, a little bit little bit smaller than uh, young young Jeremy's and you'll find self. Uh, Maxi Gorn, massive Christian Petrarca. <laughs> well, when you have 36 touches, nine clearances, two goals, seven tackles, I think you're doing something all right. Logan McDonald had an okay game for um, um, uh, Sydney. I still give him a tick. Uh, Cripple wasn't too bad for the Blues. And uh, Jack Bowes uh, was uh, serviceable for the uh, for the um, for the uh, the Gold Coast Suns as well. So my stable did all right, but I've got a uh, inclusion 
um, because obviously I've got a few. The phone's not uh, going on with any Tinder messages. No, 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 just just a baby mama. Um, it's and my inclusion is uh, we were sort of talking about this fellow last week, and he kicked another three goals against North Melbourne on the uh, the weekend. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to the stable, Taylor, the big Texan wow. Walker. Hang on a minute. I floated this as a joke last week, and Jeremy sat across right here where my hand is and said, you've got to be kidding me. And here we are, allowing you to pick Taylor Walker. Yeah, well, he is a unclaimed player. Um, he's Do I get half a, points for the idea, or what's going on with nah, that? No, nah, no, sorry, mate. You, you could have claimed him. But uh, he is currently leading the Coleman medal, and, uh, you know, that's just a, a strategic play there. I think he might actually go very close. If he keeps going the way he's going no, this year. No one will catch him. Yeah, no one will catch him. So Taylor Walker uh, for me, and uh, there is a Hawthorne player I've been sniffing around. You get your hands off Blake Hardwick or a punch in the face. No, not Blake Hardwick. Another fellow that um, may allude to a... Uh, a, a listener question. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I reckon he may uh, bounce back in the latter half of the season. He might get into the stable. But how about your boys, mate? Who who do we have for uh, the, the Clayton Morrison stable? Well, my stable, I've got uh, Tommy Papley, Changoff, Jaff, uh, Errol Gordon, Isaac Rankin, Charlie Cameron, Lockie Neal, uh, Dustin Martin, Isaac Quainor, Harris Andrews, and Jack McRae. Yes. Papley got a meh for me. One goal, two. Didn't do the greatest, but Did still played his role. Yeah. Uh, CJ, just second, third efforts. Fantastic. Still, yep. again, like we said the week prior, still needs to work on his game. Yes. Disposal, but his endeavours there. Errol Gordon, 0-3. That's a poor return for the young fella, but again, young fella. Uh, Isaac Rankin's a bit of a meh. He's on notice. Ooh. He's on notice. Uh, Charlie Cameron is leaving the stable. He's on his motorbike. He's on his room, bike. Room, he's room, gone. Room, Get on your bike. Push off. Lockie Neal again, low on output for his lofty standards, but still fairly okay. So I gave him a tick. Same with Dusty. Dusty's had two down weeks in a row now. Uh, obviously, in a loss, Dusty's, mm-hmm. I don't know, you'd expect players to, in a loss, not perform as well as they did. Yep. But how many times has Dusty just grabbed the t- his team and dragged him over the line by the neck? A hundred times. He, he does it. He does it's, all the time. It's what he does. So He's showtime, that bloke. I'm not panicking in any way, shape, or form. He'll, no, get his he'll bounce back. Isaac Quainor, he's got a pass mark for me. Nothing's fantastic. Uh, Harris Andrews got a big yes for me because he managed to float forward and kick it. Kick it's, it's sausage roll. A bit of a sausage roll for a, uh, a fullback. He's fantastic all the time. And Jack McRae, the pig, another tick for Jack McRae. I think his last 19 games sounds ridiculous. He's averaged 30 plus disposals. Um, if you're a gambling man or woman uh, and PS Gamble responsibly, I'd be looking at over 30 markets for Jack McRae. I'd be looking at Jack McRae to take the uh, EJ Witten medal. Ah, yes. That is the best. Uh, is it? No, it's not the Whatever the Bulldogs, yeah, uh, let's talk amongst ourselves here. The Bulldogs, best and fairest, he'd win that. While you look at that funny story, I caught up. I had a trivia day on Saturday afternoon with a few work colleagues. And Charles Sutton medal. Charles Sutton Sorry. medal. No disrespect to Charlie Sutton family. Well, no. Charlie Sutton's family. Family, yeah. Uh, Lockie Neal's parents were in uh, Ballarat to watch him on Saturday nice. afternoon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a work colleague's mine husband was actually uh, having a few drinks with him the night before. And uh, my work colleague uh, has informed me that she would be very surprised if they were um, 
able to go watch their son play the game because they were having a, a very good night. They, there was a few bicep curls, right. let's just say that. So Interesting. That they were having a good time in Ballarat, uh, that Mr. and Mrs. Neal. So there you go. Now, with one out, mm. with Charlie Cameron getting on his bike. One in. Who is your inmate? Because you've got a bit of a – you've got the chest out. You've got a bit I'm, of a head wobble going. I'm – Picking this one, I'm very happy with myself for this one. Yeah. Because I don't think many people are going to know who this young fella is, but yeah. he's certainly his position is justified. And yeah. I've got some stats here for you because right. I came prepared just in case. Just ah, I like it. So young fella by the name, well, young fella who plays for the Adelaide Crows, he's only 21. Okay. What do you know about Lachlan Scholl? Uh, Lockie Scholl, he is a wingman, I believe, and that's about as far as I know, I think. Defender midfielder. Defender midfielder, all right. Lockie Scholl has played four games this year. He's yes. 88 total disposals, so he's averaging 22 a game. Yep. Out of his 88 disposals, he's kicked it 63 times. You like and the kickers, mate. You're a big, you're a big kicking fan. Well, it's called football for yeah, us. That's it. Yeah. I'm a big kicking fan because it goes way back to the, the Birchall days. It goes even mm. further back than that. But the Birchall days, we've had some fantastic halfbackers in Birchall and, and Suckling and those sorts of guys yes. who just clear the ball and can kick from halfback to almost full forward. Yeah. Um, but no, Lucky Shoal comes into the stable, so yep. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this young fella goes. And particularly for the fact that last year Adelaide were Dog shit. There's no better way to say it. Excuse me. No better way to say it. But Lockie Shoal now has come out and he's pivotal. Like he's yeah. a young fella. He's only a slight build, but he takes the game on. He puts his nose down. He continually presents at the contest, and he's not afraid to put it on the boot and not just jam it out of there, but try and link up with a wingman or someone running back from from full uh, from half forward or something like that to try and actually collect the ball. So Lockie Shoal's in, and I'm very I very like keen to see how he how he progresses. He's um. It's actually good to see Adelaide having a bit of a, a dip this season because they are a very they've been a very successful club since they've been in the competition. It only took them six years to enter the comp to win their first flag, or they won their only two flags in, in succession. But um, you know, Lockie Scholl, James Rowe, you know, Tex Walker's revelation. Um, you know, when Rory Sloan, Rory Sloan goes down, sorry, you think, oh, shit, you know, it's not going to look too good for them. They're really covering his loss at the moment. So that is a, an astute selection. I thought you'd be happy with yeah. that one. I, 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 I actually didn't one. think you'd know the name to tell you the truth. Because, look, let's be honest, Lockie Shell's not yet a, a household, household name. name. Oh, shit, no. But he's got all the makings of someone who could be. Yeah, Lockie Shell. I like that one. Lockie Shell is a very, very astute selection. Very, very good. Now... Last week, yeah, four days ago, yeah, we sat at this very table. We did, and you had some words to say about St Kilda. We did, mate. Yeah. Now, we uh, again, you can just go back and have a look at how many times we sputtered Tex Walker and threw yep. him up against the wall. And this year, we've only had good things to say. Yeah, about being because, singing his praises. He's, he's what, back. He's the big back. Jackson's he's, back. He's found some marvelous form. Yep. And in the same vein of, or the same train of thought, credit where credit is due, is sitting right there on the list. And what team name is next to that, mate? St Kilda. Well done, St Kilda Football Club. I checked uh, I checked the score Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and I see the Eagles are five goals up halfway through the second term or whatever. I thought, oh, there we go. I've got another tip because I tipped the Eagles. Um, I thought, oh, yeah, this is probably going to end up being a 10-goal shellacking. And then uh, I checked this score uh, with about 10, 7, 10 minutes ago in the fourth quarter, and I see St Kilda are in front, and I'm like, uh, uh, what the? Uh, Bradley Hill, 26 disposals, 
uh, three tackles. He was pivotal. Jack Steele, again, with his 30-odd touches or whatever he had, you can see why they named him uh, captain because he just bleeds week in, week out. 33 touches, one goal, six tackles. <sighs> if that is not a stat line to be proud of, I don't know. I don't know what is. The thing that amazed me the most is after half time, the Eagles kicked three goals, one, and St Kilda kicked 10-7. 10-7. So that could have been, even if you halve it, that could have been 13-4, so, so, and it could have been an even bigger win. So well done, St Kilda, because I sat here last week and I ripped shreds off you because I've always sort of, ever since we've been doing this, and I've, you know, we've been doing it what, almost three years now. Because they've been so putrid for so long, mm. um, and that's Rich coming from a Melbourne fan, but here's a club that for 150 years haven't had much success. They've got a, a very poor culture over the journey, and they, they look great 2019-2020, and this season at the start of this year hasn't been too great. And to come from five goals down against a very good side on West Coast, and sure, West Coast had a few players out, but you can only play what's in, in front of you, what's on the park. And then to come back after half time and kick 10-7 and hold the Eagles only three goals won when they've got Darling and Kennedy Petrucelli, and Oscar, Oscar, Oscar Allen. Allen. Well done, St Kilda. That's the response that we were looking for against Essendon. And you come, you've... Um, Come out when everyone's been potting in the media and some of your fans are probably a little bit pissed off, and rightly so too, and they've come out and they've played um, a really, really good brand of football after halftime and they get the win and, um, you know, let, let's see how they go next week. Hopefully this sort of starts to kickstart the season for them and they can get some wins on the board and get some confidence and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, they, they were fantastic after halftime. I'll even admit that I did go back and watch the second half um, when I got home from the, the footy last night. And they were just, they were just too freaking good. Mm. They made the bloody eagles look like fucking witches' hats. Mm. It was, it was really exciting to watch. Yeah. Overcame a thirty-three point deficit at three-quarter time. Now I've got it on good advice that one Brett Ratton listened to the three blokes they called last week. I'm pretty sure he said he played it. He played it in their match review. Mm. There you go. So, well, I, I'm glad I could help the boys get up. It's all because of you, mate. All because of well, you. Well, I, I clip Essendon, they do well. I clip Melbourne, they do well. So if there's any AFL assistant coaches, coaches, superstar players out there that listen to this podcast and your team's in a bit of a rut, help get me down to North Melbourne. I'll even G the boys up to get them to roll Geelong next week. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really good to see when a, a team's sort of copping it a fair bit in the public eye when they come back and... Um, although, you know, they didn't play a great four-quarter game, but at the end of the day, they get the four points, and that's all you can ask for. So, now that was a brilliant second half from them. <clears throat> all you can ask for, mate. Credit with credit is due. There you go, listeners. Don't ever say that we don't eat humble pie. Tex Walker and St Kilda have given us plenty of humble pie. Uh, I was eating plenty of pie last night, that's for sure. A couple of listener questions, then we'll drill down into a few of the other games because there's a few yep. more comments that I've got around uh, some of the other games and some questions. I'm sure you've got mm. some as well. Listen, a question here is coming in. How bad is the Stephen May loss to Melbourne? Now, you're a Melbourne fan, mate. You're yep. probably best placed more than anyone to talk about this. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's So, sorry, to preface this, two to four weeks with a fractured eye socket is the diagnosis at the moment. Yeah. So, so it could be out for up to a month. Uh, he was also concussed. So the thing is with the new concussion protocols, he's out for 12 days anyway. So that basically takes you up to two weeks. Yeah. <coughs> um, 
and he had a concussion earlier in the year, remember, that's why he missed round one. So um, I just hope the concussions don't stuff him up later on down the track. But it's a massive loss. He is one of the better key defenders running around in the competition. Um, I would say he's probably top three or four. You'd have Harris Andrews and Darcy Moore as your probably joint number ones and then, say, Stephen Mays in the... Jordan Ridley's and Jack Bowes. Yeah, underneath that. Tommy Stewart's. Tom Stewart's, etc. So he is massive um, for Melbourne. And two to four weeks, I'll take that because I was hearing reports of seven weeks, 12 weeks, you know. Brain bruising and all sorts of nasty things. And if you look at the picture, like if you go on his Instagram, it's all over socials and Mm. you see his... He's got a cricket ball hanging off his head. He's got a cricket ball hanging off off the side of his head. So he was pretty bloody lucky. I'll take two to four weeks. Um, It's a big loss because I'm wondering now... How do we match up on Rewalt and Lynch uh, for the Richmond game? How do we match Six. up uh, on McDonald and Franklin for the Sydney game in round seven or eight, I think it is? So, yeah, that, that's a big loss for Melbourne. Um, but glass half full, it gives the opportunity for a Harry Petty, um, a Joel Smith to, you know, get some games into them and, you know... I don't think they'll have this four-week period where they'll keep May out of the side. But if they play some really, really, really good footy and then a, um, a, a Jetta or someone doesn't do too well, it pushes them out. Or do they stick with Tomlinson being the key defender and they bring in uh, Michael Hibbert as well? So Melbourne have a few options. It's still a really big loss. I'd rather May in the team than out of the team. And uh, there's a bloke that I was questioning his recruitment um, uh, a couple of a couple of months ago, they were recruiting him as a forward, but he did play his best footy as a defender for North Melbourne. I'm wondering if the big Majak, do they bring in Majak daughter to replace Stephen May? I don't, it's just a little bit of a left field. I don't think no, they no would. Speed. No speed. But um, uh, but Majak yeah, is best placed in a Mr. Universe contest because he fucking <laughs> destroy everyone there. But on a footy field, I'm sorry, he's had his time. Yeah, he's had his he's time. Had his yeah, time. but um, yeah, in a very long-winded way of answering your question, it's going to be a big, big loss for Melbourne. But this is where we see how well Melbourne is going because mm. the depth will be tested. Let's see over the next two to four weeks how many games they win. If you're one of these people listening that said that Tom Hawkins should be offered a suspension for that absolutely accidental, yeah. completely... He wasn't even looking at him at the no. time. Completely accidental elbow to the eye. Go get your head ripped. Yeah, no. I saw... And I, look, it's funny because people are like, oh, fuck you long and, you know, forget Tom Hawkins and all this sort of stuff. If you're going to sit there realistically <laughs> and yeah. say, well, Hawkins should have got, you know, a week for striking and you're a Hawks fan, and I'm having a go at my own here. Yeah. Tom Mitchell should probably be having, you know, a bit of a fine to pay for that yeah. staging <laughs> incident against, uh, I think it was Caleb Sorong on the weekend where he just sort of gave him a bit of a push and he did a, a 180 pirouette and landed on his face and was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, honestly, if you're going to suggest that... Tom no, he, he, he shouldn't be rubbed out. I will say that when Maisie went down and he stayed down, I thought, oh, Hawkins has clocked him. So I was like, oh, you dog, Hawkins. And then he came on the bus home... Don't you, you, yeah, you and I sent him come over and he, I was like, oh, did he do that because he's regretful that he clocked the bloke? But then I watched the replay ad nauseum and it was a freak Nothing accident. Nothing in it. Nothing no. in it. It shouldn't even be looked at. Just move no, on. I don't think it was. It was no. just idiots just, you know, doing yeah. a whole thing. It was just and shit luck. Look, don't, don't mind me. I'm the first one to give Geelong shit, but there was nothing in it. So don't, don't sit there and suggest there was. It was silly. 
Um, <clears throat> I will I will talk about my Hawks for a second. Yep. In a Fremantle game because I was I watched that entire game from start to finish. Thank you very much for your mm-hmm. login details. Hopefully, no one from KO is listening. Oh, it's just, your account. It's it's it. um, for the Hawks, come out and kick zero two to I think five four in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Super slow start. Yep. Disgusting. I stuck through it and kept watching the whole way. So fuck you, Daniel Fisher. Just <laughs> so you know. Um, for the Hawks come out and play three quarters. That's all they did. They played three quarters of footy. They did nothing in the first first quarter. Fremantle's pressure were managed to take nothing away from them, but Hawthorne also made really poor decisions. Yep. There's two blokes that were missing quite a lot, and one I think we're missing more than another. Now, you're probably going to look at me in shock when I tell you the two blokes' names, and then I'll tell you who we're missing more than the other. Yep. Two blokes' names are Jack Gunston and James Sisley. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you never want to talk to Sisley. I think we're missing Gunston a lot more than we're missing Sicily. Yeah. Because we just don't have any forward options. There is no tall forward, and look, Jack Gunston's not huge, no. but there is no tall forward option that's mm-hmm. reliable for Hawthorne. You've got Mitch Lewis and Tim O'Brien. Tim O'Brien couldn't take a mark with a fucking baseball glove. And Mitch Lewis is now out for a week with a suspension for a striking, I can't remember who he struck, Caleb's wrong too, I think. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just lacks the confidence and the ability. Uh, he's going to get there eventually, no doubt. But the only tall forward option we had was Big Bro McAvoy. Yeah. When, you, when you're relying on a Ruckman to Who be was your, playing in defence last year, mind you, as that's well. That's right, who played most of his year in defence last year. When you're relying on a Ruckman mm-hmm. to be your tall forward option, you're in trouble. So I think we're missing Jack Gunston more than people realise. And, of course... James Sicily, very handy player, would probably slot into quite a few clubs. Um, yeah, whether you like him or hate him, whether you think he's a cop or whether you think he's, he's a brilliant. Shaman, he's a very, very talented player. Talented player in any team who misses him. So I reckon we're missing Gunston and Sicily, but Gunston more so. So uh, Gunston had back surgery in the off season. Yeah, I'm hearing news, and I don't have any inside sources. No, no. <laughs> it doesn't sound like <laughs> Sawyer wasn't cheering. Nothing yeah. like that. Uh, I'm hearing rumours that he might be back as early as round six. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be any sooner for mine. No. Well, let's go to a listening question because it is Hawthorne-centric, this question. Uh, question is, what's happened to James Warple? Oh, I'd like your thoughts on this, mate. He averaged 26 touches in 2019, 19 in 2020, and 18 in 2021. Now, What's your thoughts on that? Because I have some commentary, but I want to get yours. Yeah, so the question, the the, the stat lines that you just put through were, were yep. my, that's what I put through. The question, the, the, the listener didn't put that through. I put that yep. through because I did my little, little bit of research. So James Warfel averaged 26 touches in 2019. That was when uh, Tom Mitchell was out with a broken leg. Uh, mm-hmm. 19 last year in 2020 in shortened quarters, so you could probably forgive him a little bit for being down on that, and 18 thus far in the four games in 2021. Look, he's been in the system for four years. He debuted in his draft year. Um, he did. I'm just going to say this. I think James Warfel had a breakout year in 2019, his second year, obviously in uh-huh. the absence of Tom Mitchell, and he bounced off guys like Yago Amira and Liam Shields quite well. Yep. Last year, again, shortened quarters, probably didn't have as much of a run as he could have. Um, is he maybe getting worked out? Is he maybe getting a little bit of pressure? I don't know. I have seen players go to him in the past and, and uh-huh. said, well, let's try and stop the warpedo. Yep. I don't think he's given himself that nickname, by the way. No. A lot of people have, but... Uh, 
Look, I still think, and this is the reason why I put that stat line down is from tw- going from 26 touches in 2019 down to an average of 18 in 2021. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and go, well, he's averaging eight less touches. What I'll look at is his efficiency yes. and his workload. Uh-huh. And I watch, I watch the kid, and sometimes he's he's making poorer decisions this year than what he was the year before last in 2019. Uh-huh. Um, I still think he's going okay. I would question whether or not his role is a little bit muddied in the team now that you've got your Mitchells and your O'Meara's back uh-huh. as well. So I don't know whether or not he's being asked to play as an outside mid, but yeah. he's being asked to pinch hit through the inside midfield. I'm not entirely sure, but for me, and this might be considered bias, I'm not panicking about Warple no. because he still gets the footy. When he gets it, more often than not, he uses it well. But something that's crept into his game that concerns me a little bit is his poor decision-making. I think I've seen him hospital hand pass to a few players when there's been options over the back. <coughs> Maybe because he's been instructed to be more aggressive and more attacking, but yeah. I think maybe he's in his fourth year of the competition. I don't know. I'm not sure why he's dropped off a little bit, but I'm still not too concerned. He's still a solid contributor for me. Yeah, I don't mind the kid. I just think um, pretty much I agree with everything you say, mate. When Mitchell was out, he stood up. And to me, his numbers may be a little bit lower because he's basically not playing that role that he was uh, when Tom Mitchell was injured, where he's basically the number one inside mid, getting the ball out to the runners. So he may be getting asked to play a different role now and to be, like you said, more attacking. Well, he tra- tagged on the weekend. Yeah. He was a tagger on the weekend. He went to um, that five. Oh, there you go. Half the game, I think. So I, I wouldn't write the kid off yet. Like you said, it's only it's only his uh, fourth year in the competition, and uh, with some young fellas when they're asked to play a uh, a different role for the sake of the team. Like let's be real, there's a, it, it's just a given that there are a lot of clubs at the moment if they have a glut of particular players, sometimes the player needs to sacrifice his own game for the betterment of the team and I'm wondering well, if that is yeah that's what I, I think might be happening to James Warple at the moment I think you're and I don't think the question was designed like this because obviously we did a bit of homework with the stats I think if you look at a player and go oh his stat line <clears throat> his disposal have been going down X amount each year mm. you just can't base it off how many disposals they're getting like, has his tackles increased? Has his metres gained increased? Things like that because maybe he's playing a different role and it's not all about disposals at the no. end of the day. I'll tell you one thing that does concern me, and like I said, I'm not overly concerned. But this, no. is, this is where I alluded to you know, with some of his poor decision-making. He's averaging nearly five clangers a game this season. Uh, yeah, that's not something you want. Like, no. pre- I'm not going. I'm not saying he's a premium or a premium mm. midfielder in the likes of Martin or or, or, or Neil or anyone like that. Yeah. But one of your premium midfielders, one of your first three guys, you stick a magnet on the ball. Yeah, for the team. Yeah, we're talking team. for Hawthorne here. Yeah. You don't want five <laughs> clangers coming from him. Hell to the no, my man. Uh, a question about Geelong: How much of a difference will Danger Cameron and Rowan? Make to a depleted cat side? A lot. 100%. <laughs> it lot. will, won't it? Absolutely. So, look, let's. Uh, whether you don't like the guy or not, whether you love him, whether you hate him, doesn't matter. Champion player, There's Dangerfield. absolutely no shadow of a doubt that Patrick Dangerfield is a premium elite midfielder in the top five in the competition. Mm-hmm. That's it. Simple. That's just a fact. Yep. Missing him has upset their structure quite a bit. And yep. you know what? To, to his credit, and I don't often credit this guy, but again, Geelong, funny, ha-ha, joking, he's been a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Joel Selwood has stepped up in Dangerfield's absence. 
And for a bloke who's getting on in terms of age, yep. again, no more jokes about Geelong's list age and all that sort of stuff, for him to step up in Danger's absence, I was actually really impressed because when Danger was there at the start of the year, I'm pretty sure round one, Selwood had about 20-odd touches and not very many of them were that effective. He was kind of just there and Danger did the heavy lifting. Pretty sure it was round one. But... The fact that Danger's going to come back, Gary Rowan, who is pivotal to their structure, I mean, he can, he can run across half forward all day. Um, and then you've got Jeremy Cameron, who's a proven performer. Yes, he was down on last year. I think he kicked 26 goals last year or something out of you know, 18 games or something. He can play foil to Tom Hawkins, and there's a reason why they sold the farm to get him. That's and right. We've, we've said this a million times. They've rolled the dice, they've sold the farm. If it doesn't work out, well, they've locked themselves out of the best draft since 2002. Yep. Uh, and they've really hurt. Well, they picked up Tim Kelly. Yep. They got a motto for Tim Kelly wanting to go home. They gave yep. that motto on Jeremy Cameron. He's 28. He's probably got four or five years worth of footy in him. That's it. But if he doesn't work out this year, your Selwood, your Dangerfields, your Tuies, those sorts of guys are probably going to be on their way out. 100%. So rolling the dice. But to answer the question, I think... Danger, Cameron and Rowan, if Geelong were a C-grade side on the weekend or even a C-plus grade side on the weekend, you put those three blokes in or two of those three blokes in and Geelong mm-hmm. were a B to a B-plus side. 100%, at, mate. At, at the worst. What I, do you think? Uh, I couldn't agree with you more, mate. They will make a massive difference. So we've got a Brownlow medalist, a Coleman medalist missing. We've got a bloke uh, that's super exciting, Gary Rowan, when he – Gets his skates on. <clears throat> Let's not forget that they've got Sean Higgins. Men and Goal come back yesterday. Men and Goal, for his first game back, I thought was a bit rusty, but he's a solid player. You've got Sean Higgins. Uh, Brennan Parfit was a laid out yesterday. He's a very solid young player. Um, it's not all doom and gloom for Geelong. And those names, like your Dangerfields and your Camerons, will make them so, so much better. Any team, any other 17 teams in the competition, if they had Danger and Cameron missing, they're worse for it. That's just yeah, a fact. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we can all sit there and bang on about Geelong's list and, oh, they're all pensioners and all this sort of crap. They are still, what, uh, I think 10th, 11th on the ladder? Uh, 11th They're 2-2. Two, two two. Two. Be fair, now we're trying to be yeah. unbiased here, they could easily be 0-4. 0-4. Because the two games that they won were very, Brisbane very close. With a very contra- not saying anything yeah, about Brisbane. the other, but a very controversial decision. And the close game against and Hawthorne. And the Hawthorne decision with the Wingard touch and Stanley and all that sort of stuff. So quite easily, you know, one could be 0-4. Four. Four. But thank their lucky stars for them and their support. They're 2-2, and, two two, and they've got a Brownlow, Medicine, Coleman, Mellis coming back. Still to come back. That's so if you're Geelong, if you're a Geelong, if you're not a Geelong fan, you're saying, fuck you, Geelong. If you are a Geelong fan, your glass half full and it's not looking catastrophic. If you're a Geelong fan, you've been missing Dangerfield and Rowan and Cameron for, well, Cameron the whole year and those yep. other guys for a good good part of the season thus far. You're sitting there going, thank fuck the hell on. I'll take two and two every day of the week. 100%. And now boy Jess said that he'd be happy with three and three. He said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't say he'd be happy with it. He said, I wouldn't I'm be surprised, surprised to sell yeah. three and three. Yeah. So, and that's probably the way it's going to be looking at them. So, yeah, he was right on the money. Good boy, Jess. Good boy, Jess. Um, the last question that we've got coming through, and thanks to B-Cop for this one, mm. for all of them thus far, actually. I did uh, reach out to D-Fish and said uh, earlier he could put some questions in, but he wasn't too, too <laughs> He wasn't too happy. Can the Crows make the eight? They're three wins at the moment. So there's three wins from four games. And more often than not, you need about 12 wins 
to make the eight. So effectively, for the next 17, 18 games, 17 games, whatever it is, they need to win eight, uh, nine games, effectively. So I'm going to go through this now. The right? next five. Right? So Adelaide play Fremantle in Adelaide. Winnable. Winnable. Adelaide play Hawthorne in Tasmania. Winnable. Winnable. Adelaide play the Giants in Adelaide. Winnable. Winnable. So that's nearly three wins. So then they're up to six if they get those. Adelaide play Port in Adelaide. <sighs> Tough. Yeah. I'm going to say probably not winnable, just based on the fact that Port Adelaide probably still haven't hit their straps yet. Correct. Adelaide play the Eagles in Optus. The Eagles. 50-50. Yeah, depending. 40-60. Yeah. Adelaide play Melbourne in Adelaide. 40-60. Yep. Adelaide play Richmond at the G. That's a loss. Loss. Adelaide play Collingwood in Adelaide. That's a win. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the moment, yeah. They're up to seven. Yep. Adelaide play St Kilda at CS, wherever CS is. Uh, uh, Cairns, Kazali Stadium. 50-50. Adelaide play the Blues in Marvel, could win. The Lions in Adelaide could win. Marvel, Essendon, could win. They play the Eagles in Adelaide, could win. They play the Bulldogs here in Ballarat, probably going to lose that one. Play Hawthorne in in Adelaide, that's probably a win. They play Port again in Adelaide. If you're going to go 50-50, they're going to win one of them. So they're up to, what, 10 or 11 wins. That. If you if you take every 50-50 and give them one of each two, uh-huh. they're up to 11 wins, and that's August 14. Then they played North Melbourne to finish their season off. These are the four, the four um, rounds I'm really looking forward to for Adelaide. Let's say if they're, say, sitting on about eight or nine wins coming into about round 18, 19, right? They've got Hawthorne at home. That's potentially a win. They've got another derby at Adelaide. It's their home game, but, you know. Well, they've got two. Yeah, they've got so two. So they could win one of the two. Right. Then they've got Melbourne at the G. Pretty now, hard ask. That's a pretty hard ask. But then they finish the season Adelaide Oval against North Melbourne. Now, the way North Melbourne are playing at the moment, you say that's change. a win. Things can change. And the thing is, like, I'm not all for, you know, reading in things too much and, you know, uh, you know whatever. Let's say round 21, 22, when they're playing Melbourne, hypothetically, let's say Melbourne are Monty's for top four. So Melbourne might go, oh, Ben Brown's a little bit sore. Sam Wiedemann's a bit sore. Let's manage them, get them right for September, and then put a half-assed side out there. Adelaide get a win and they're sitting around the 9 and 10 mark and that's the win that can get them into the 8 or whatever. So I think those last four rounds for Adelaide will be really good because three of them are at home and two at home in Hawthorne and North based on current form at Mm -hmm. the moment. They should win. Adelaide and Port, the way Port are at the moment, they may win and then I can't see them at the moment beating Melbourne at the G. So they they could make the 8. A lot needs to go right for them like that. Tex keeps his form. That's it. Lucky um, Shoal keeps his superb, surf, superb <laughs> yeah, for form more stable. And they obviously need, you know, a few of the other clubs, you know, obviously at the moment we're only four rounds in. They'd want the St Kilda's and the Essendon's and New Collingwood's Freas, etc., to drop a few games as well to make it a little bit easier for them. So Adelaide can make the eight, is what we're saying. They can make the eight. I don't think a great deal. I don't think they really <coughs> need, need to rely on too much more than themselves. 
to make the eight at this stage. No. And to get Rory Sloan back later on in the year would be helpful as well. Very, very handy player. Plus, no ranger. Round four, preview and tips. So I've got Jez's tips here, yeah. and I've got my tips, and Jez and I have tipped identically. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Clay and Jez have tipped the following. So yeah. the Tigers to beat the Saints at Marvel Stadium, the Eagles to beat the Pies over in Perth, the Dogs to beat the Suns down here at Marvel, the Swans to beat the Giants at the SCG, the Port Adelaide Power to beat the Blues at home, as in the Blues home at the MCG, the Lions to beat the Bombers up in Queensland. The Joe Danaher Cup. <laughs> the Joe Danaher Cup, very good. The Crows to beat the Dockers in Adelaide Oval, which is very interesting. I never thought I'd tip the Crows to beat the Dockers on, on form last year. Uh, your boys to hurt my boys at the MCG, and I will fucking laugh my ass off if it happens, but it won't. The Cats will beat North at GMHBA, but Jesus Christ. North Melbourne. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit of a sticky oh. thing about it. But if North Melbourne happened to beat the Cats after Dangerfield and maybe Cameron and maybe Rowan come back at Kitty Little Park, I would be up and about. I think it's a far cry. I think it's going to happen. Oh Yeah, you'd, um, you'd probably um, bet on me to be a chance for some Miranda Kerr before that happening. But if it does, oh. gee, quick, the, the media... There might be two blokes no clue again next week. Media, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the media would have an absolute field day. Well, surprise, surprise, boys. Um, on equal, on exactly the same shoe, Tigers, the Roller Saints, Eagles, Dogs, Swans, Port, Lions, Crows, Demons, Cats. Yep. So we're all we're all the same this week. So we'll all be on the. Um, uh, so Jez, all, oh, so to that point, Jez is leading our tipping competition by, by one, one, followed by. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we do some quality research. Followed by, me, uh, followed by you, followed by me, I believe. Yeah, so basically believe, irrespective of... Um, is that right? I believe I'm down. <clears throat> Let's have a look here. Hang on a minute. Yeah, we, we're pretty good at this. Uh, so at the moment, it is Jeremy, myself, you, yeah, uh, Tim Jordan and Shieldsy Guns, uh, Donna Sash and Demons, too good, uh, 23 apiece. So uh, if we get Tim Jordan to get... Uh, two more uh, or three more tips different to us, and they get up, he will overtake Jez as the leader. Uh, so I think all going well, uh, Jez will still be top of the yeah. uh, tipping ladder by the end of round five. We know he can't do it. I, I alluded to it earlier in the pod, but I said that the administrator of this league, a.k.a. Jez, might have fudged our tips because you and I both – sorry, I got four this week. Yeah, I got six, yep. But I sent you guys in our group chat a photo of last week's rundown with my yes. underlined tips. And I tipped the blues. Uh, I tipped the blues, but it said that I tipped the suns. So, uh, so, so technically, based on my tips, and you can go back through the broadcast and listen to the podcast. Based on my tips, I would have also be 25, and I'd be no. Equal. I should be. I should be 26 because I got six. And you know what? And on top of that, uh, you would then be first based on margin. I'd be second, and Jesse be third. So. I reckon a bit of controversy. That's a bit of a. I reckon Mr. Neckbeard up wherever he's camping at the moment. <laughs> done a little bit of dodging. Deliverance country. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have thought. No, but yeah, no. It's um still. Uh, I'd say you know eight out of the. There's there's one fellow uh, stuck on sixteen tips. I think he's probably out of uh, calculations. Out of but between ninth and first, there's still a chance to probably snatch it. So that's uh, that's uh, pleasing to see. I've been asked. Oh, yes. By one Jay Wharf. Yep. Philip. Yes. Do you have anything for Tim Delicious? I do, mate. Yes. 
Well, have at it. Have at it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I went on a date. Tinder. Delicious. As we know, I went on a date last Wednesday, going on another date tomorrow night with said lass. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So, short and sweet. Let's keep it short and sweet. Tea and biscuits. What's talk to us? What was the date? Where'd you go? What'd you do? Uh, so I, I believe I said this in the last pod, but uh, last week went down to the North Star, um, which is a establishment in Ballarat. Uh, it's nicely done up now, so it's quite nice in there. Um, conversation was good. We got kicked out because we we're just sitting there talking crap for a while. We both went our separate ways last week, uh, and then we said, you know, we'll definitely do this again. And uh, yeah, we booked in for tomorrow night, so we'll be going to an establishment. Not going to say on air where you're going to go? Not saying where we're going to. You can tell me after we stop recording. Yeah, yeah, so we'll we'll see how it goes. She's a nice girl. Um, She seems interested in catching up with me, so clearly I must be doing something right as well, which is nice. Um, So, yeah, we'll see how we go. Very good. Mm. Very, very good. Well, that has been Two Blokes No Clue, 12th of April, 2021. It's been different without Jez. (coughs) It has been, mate. I'll say it's been good and bad. Mm. He's going he's gonna to listen to this and go, what do you mean by good and bad? Well, good in the respect that, um, well, I can't think of anything funny, but, but bad, <laughs> bad in the respect that um, I would like to have got his um, thoughts on uh, Chris Scott's coaching on the weekend, mm. um, Mr. Reactive. So, um yeah, no, nah, it'll be nice to have the fellow back, but then we'll be losing you in a few weeks' time, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be away for a bit, so unless we can work out some marvels of modern technology, I might miss one or two. We'll see. We'll see. Flights haven't been booked yet, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm going to take us out with a song by uh, REM. Should North Melbourne beat Geelong on Sunday, <laughs> this will be the theme song. We've been two blokes, no clue. Missing one in Jez Wharf. I am Clay. He is. Philippe, and thank you for listening. Thank you. That's great. It starts with us and earthquake, birds and snakes and airplanes, Lenny versus not a plane. It's North Melbourne wind, I'll tell you what. Oh, God. I have a hurricane, listen to yourself, turn world to its own needs, dummies of your own. I reckon we've used this song before. I reckon we've used this song before.